Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa. Appreciate you finding us. We are in mid-August. We are about seven to eight days away from the college football season starting. We are about one or two days away from training camp breaking for almost all of the teams, meaning they will kind of go into their game mode of starting to prepare for week one of the National Football League season. Got the Little League World Series beginning. We've got some baseball pennant races, some wild card races underway. We've got some suspension news out of MLB and much more. But we are going to, the crux of this podcast is going to be to preview the SEC Football Conference. We've got a great uh, analyst, Vince Ferrar from 99.1 in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's going to join us to break down all things SEC football. We're going to go through both divisions. We're going to pick a who we think is going to win. We're going to pick sleeper teams, coaches on the hot seat, and much more information for you for the SEC. A reminder, we've got some uh, continued previews of the NFL divisions coming in the next couple of weeks. We're going to do the NFC South and AFC South, and we're going to hit the AFC West and NFC West. Remember, if you missed our previous previews, you can check out our old episodes, Powers on Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Stitcher, and all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can go back and check out our previous division previews. We're also going to be doing some more college football previews the next couple of weeks. We're going to hit the Big Ten, the Pac-12. We've already done the ACC. We're going to do the SEC to this on this week's edition. So uh, if you're looking for a good preview as you head into your college football season, whether you're making wagers, whether you're doing fantasy college football, fantasy football drafts are starting this weekend for a lot of people around the country in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned. Listen closely. We're going to give you some good information. Again, divisional breakdowns in the NFL, college conference breakdowns. And again, this week we're hitting the SEC. Before we get to Vince and the SEC, I want to hit on a couple of things around the sports uh, calendar. First, let's start in college football. You're going to hear Vince and I talk about the SEC preview. We talked LSU uh, extensively with Brian Kelly coming aboard. Some breaking news literally the day after we recorded this podcast uh, interview with Vince. Miles Brennan, the, the, the projected starter at LSU, got beat out. He is leaving the LSU program. The job's either going to be between Nussmeyer and uh, Jaden Daniels. Those guys will be fighting it out to be the number one quarterback at LSU. Miles Brennan is leaving football. I think he's staying at LSU, but he's leave, He's he's no longer going to play football on the LSU football team. So obviously LSU's got a big game Labor Day weekend with Florida State in New Orleans. So we'll interesting to see what Brian Kelly does there. But that'll be one um, amendment 
to the podcast because we did talk a little Miles Brennan uh, that he might win the starting job. Again, this news was just announced the day after Vince and I recorded our preview. So here's another thing to be, be aware of, too, in the college football world here this week and next week for sure. You're going to see guys around the country, start, starters that get beaten out, that get uh, whether they're injured or whether they get beaten out because of a new coach or just beaten out in general. You're going to see those kids entering the transfer portal. This will be a very active couple of weeks in the transfer portal with guys who think who were thought they were going to be starters at their school, lost their job, or are going to be relegated to second string. They're going to be looking to transfer uh, quickly. So it already happened down here at University of South Florida. The incumbent quarterback got beaten out by a by the Baylor transfer Jerry Bohannon. And the, uh, the the starter from last year, end of last year at USF, is decided to enter the transfer portal. So you will see that around the country. You'll see some injuries as well. Some other some injuries are starting to creep up. Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame's been beset. I saw a couple injuries for some starters at Texas. So again, you're going to see some a uh, lot of roster shakeups here in the next couple of weeks with transfers, injuries, and such. So. As we enter the uh, the college football season, so all right, let's head to Major League Baseball. Fernando Tatis suspended 80 games for a PED violation. This guy's had a disastrous year. If you remember, he was he hurt himself with a motorcycle accident in spring training. Was out all the way up until now, and now he's flunked a drug test, which is going to put him out 80 games, which means he's going to miss the the last. 35 or 40 games of this regular season any postseason games if san diego makes the postseason and the first 35 or 40 games of next year this guy is proving to be very unreliable you know if you remember san diego gave tatis a huge 10-year extension huge contract and this guy's done nothing but let the padres down the last year or so uh, and you wonder is peds playing a part in his performance prior to but you know if you're going to give a guy a 10-year you know, $200, $200 million contract, you have to at least have the confidence that the guy's not going to let you down. And Tatis has done a terrible job, and I mean terrible, of, of upholding his part of the bargain. Uh, you know, he will not get paid during this 80-game suspension, but still, just the trust factor. You heard A.J. Preller came out in the press conference. It was very critical of, of Tatis. Tatis's dad, Fernando Tatis Sr., trying to, to, trying to backtrack and say, oh, don't give my son such a bad rep. Well, your son deserves every bit of criticism he's getting now because he's tr- he's really acting like a clown for a guy that's gotten paid way before he had to get paid by the Padres. The Padres invested in him, and now they are getting burned badly by Fernando Tatis. So down on Tatis, good riddance. I don't want to hear a word from you till, till game 45 or whenever you're eligible next year. So, all right. National uh, Little League World Series starting in Williamsport this weekend. A great event. You got teams from the United States and all over the world participating. Again, a great event for the for the I think it's 12, 13 year olds. Uh, you've seen some dramatic things happen in the Little League World Series over the years. But again, just a great event. A friend of mine, uh, Drew Felios, a guy we've had on the podcast several times. He's been active in, in calling regionals, things like that over the years. So I know he, it's a fun event for him to call. But again, Williamsport will be a fun week for those kids from all over the world uh, vying for the Little League World Series World Championship. So check that out. You'll see that on ESPN and ABC the next uh, eight or nine days here coming up. So, 
All right, National Football League, before we get to Vince in the SEC preview, National Football League training camp notes. Again, we had some week one. Everybody's got one game in the books preseason-wise. A couple teams have played twice. Some interesting good starts for some of these uh, new younger quarterbacks. One, Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh had a good start. Desmond Ritter in Atlanta played well. Kyle Trask down here in Tampa has played what played really what, pretty pretty well over on on Saturday. Trey Lance, the starter in San Francisco, had a good opening debut. Jalen Hurts played well in Philadelphia. These quarterbacks, obviously, it's only one game. It's a limited amount of reps. I get it, but again, encouraging news for all those kids. Again, Pickett, Ritter, and Trask will not be expected to play this year. But it's good to know. Again, you'll see Pickett at probably at some point this year, and you'll probably see Desmond Ritter at some point this year, whereas Kyle Trask, you won't see him unless Tom Brady uh, is done for the year type deal. He's probably going to be the third string. But again, lots of speculation that this will be it for Tom Brady, and they think they're wanting to see if Kyle Trask can be the quarterback of the future in Tampa. Off to a good start. Wasn't perfect, but a good start. Jalen Hurts played really well. It's a huge year for Hurts. With all the talent they've acquired in Philadelphia, with A.J. Brown and company. Um, so this is a big year for Hurts as well to prove that he can be a legit NFL starter. And then Trey Lance, we all know they've, they've gone with Trey Lance. Garoppolo still has not been traded yet or released. But again, a good start for Trey Lance. New York Jets, Zach Wilson injured in week one of the preseason on a running play. Non-contact injury. He had knee surgery earlier this week. Going to be out at least two to four weeks. Could be longer depending on what they what they find in the knee surgery. Uh, but not a great uh, omen for the Jets heading into the opener of the season. You're going to have to go with Joe Flacco, Mike White, one of the two options there. You've already lost Makai Becton, your right tackle, first-round pick from a couple years ago. He's done for the year with another knee injury. Uh, but Zach Wilson's second year not getting off to a great start in New York. Not going to be a good start for the Jets with either Flacco or Mike White. Probably going to go with Flacco, but wouldn't be shocked me if they go with Mike White to start with. Remember, Mike White had the great great game last year. We threw for about 400 yards. Then he struggled afterwards. I just don't think you can play Joe Flacco uh, personally anymore. I would play Mike White to see what you got. Um, are, they, are they in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes? Mm, I don't know about that because if you... If you, dra- if you trade for Garoppolo and Zach Wilson comes back in a month, then what do you do? Especially if Garoppolo plays well. So I don't think you're going to see Garoppolo with the Jets. Um, I think you're going to see Garoppolo end up in Cleveland once Goodell and the new uh, appeals judge lays down the suspension. Again, all indications are it's probably going to be somewhere between 12 weeks and a year. I could see the Cleveland and the Players Association negotiating 12 games. No less than 12 games, in my opinion. I think the NFL wants a year, but I think they would take 12 games if uh, Watson was willing to do that as well as pay a very hefty fine in the market of 5 to $10 million. But 12 games minimum for me with Watson. The NFL, if, he, if, if, if Watson is not willing to negotiate, the NFL is going to lay the hammer down and give him a year. So we'll see what... Happens here. You should have a decision on that here in the next week or so because you have to give Cleveland a little bit of time if they are going to make a deal a week or so to be able to trade for Garoppolo if they want to make a move at quarterback. We'll see. 
Jacoby Brissett would step in. But if they trade for Garoppolo, I think you would see Garoppolo in the lineup sooner rather than later. So keep that in mind. And again, who's calling plays in New England? Week one of the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge offensive wizardry in Foxborough underway. Still no answer from Belichick of who's going to call the plays. Sounds like they both called plays for a half last week, so we'll see how that unfolds. You know, Mac Jones needs some help there, and who knows? We'll see if Bel- how much Belichick gets involved in calling the plays, maybe himself calling plays. But again, Judge and Patricia are sharing the duties for now. We'll see what happens in New England. Last thing before we get to Vince Ferrara, 99.1 Knoxville. Fantasy drafts. I've got two myself this coming up weekend. I'm in two leagues. Most people start their fantasy drafting here in the next couple of weeks. We start ours a little early, so we, we, we get ours out of the way this weekend. I know many of you guys are in fantasy drafts, whether it's college football or the NFL. Most college football fantasy drafts are probably this week, early next week, leading into week one. But you still have a little time on the NFL front. So remember, first game's not till the Thursday after Labor Day. So you do still have some time. But fantasy drafts galore. Be on the lookout for injuries, trades, People getting cut, all that kind of good stuff. I know ESPN was running an all-day fantasy marathon on ESPN, going over all the different stats, player projections, sleepers, all that stuff. You know, don't overthink it. Pick good players who you know are good players. Pick guys that are number ones on their team, whether it's running backs, receivers. If they're the number one on a decent offensive team, those are the guys you want to be picking. Pick a couple sleepers. I get it. We all think we can pick sleepers. You know, the rookie running back, the the, the rookie wide receiver that we think is going to step up and play well. Um, but a couple names to remember. Wide receiver, George Pickens. Running backs, Kenneth Walker out in Seattle, even though he's fighting a little injury. Um, you got some, you got some uh, running backs. Again, potentially a Rashad White down here in Tampa could be a, a deep sleeper kind of guy at running back down here. But again, you're going to see some sleeper players here develop in the preseason, make some teams. Rookie receivers tend to play well. Running backs can play well. Tight ends, a guy like Pat Fryermuth, Pittsburgh, could be a good low-value uh, player in Pittsburgh. You got new quarterback, lean on the tight end. Um, so good luck with your fantasy drafts. Don't overthink it and have a little fun. So right after the commercial break, you're going to hear from Vince Ferrara, 99.1 in Knoxville. We're talking all things SEC, so enjoy the preview. And got any questions, love to hear from you at Sports on Twitter. Remember, we're going to be uh, unveiling a new podcast here in just a couple weeks, Florida Football Insiders, where we're talking all things college football in the state of Florida, Florida State, Miami, the Gators, USF, Central Florida, FAU, FIU. We're going to have... Uh, writers from all over the state of Florida chiming in week to week, talking about the different teams, storylines, and such. Remember also, we're going to be having the No Quarter Given podcast, which is all Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, again, my, my podcast here, we're also going to be under the umbrella of the College Football Coast to Coast. So that's where you can find Florida Football Insiders. You can also search Florida Football Insiders. But the College Football Coast to Coast podcast platform is going to have podcasts from all over the country we're going to have podcasts about the service academies about the pac 12 about the big 10 about notre dame so lots of podcasts to fit your college football needs 
under the College Football Coast to Coast platform. So check it out. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. And have a great week. Vince Ferrar coming right up. We'll be back to the podcast in just a moment. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. If you need to, if you are in the house purchasing business this year, this summer, reach out to Titan Home Lending to get pre-approved. You need to be pre-approved before you start house hunting with your realtor, before you can make an offer. All sellers are going to want to know that you're pre-approved. So reach out to Titan Home Lending so you can figure out how much house you can afford based on your financial situation. FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, if you're self-employed, I can, we can do non-QM type loans. If you're a business owner and such, if your credit score is not great, we do have options for you as well. So definitely reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida that you're looking for a home from Key West to Pensacola to Jacksonville to anywhere in between. Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can search us online uh, at Titan Home Lending. We can help you get approved for your home mortgage, and we'll definitely get you a very good interest rate to match along with it. So Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404, and ask for Jason Powers. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us. We are on to the SEC preview, the conference that just seems to care more than everybody else, allegedly, <laughs> both in money and in stature. So we are going to talk to Vince Ferrara, a great knowledge source of the SEC. Vince is the radio host and digital media content manager for 991 Knoxville, Tennessee, the sports animal. He is dialed in to the to the Tennessee Volunteers, which we're going to get into. He's all over the SEC. He was at Media Days for all the Media Days, and he is super dialed in. So welcome back to the podcast, Vince. Jason, great to be with you. It means more, so they care more. So <laughs> the life in the SEC. <laughs> Before we get to the SEC, high school football start for you this Friday? This Friday, that's right. You know, my color analyst, is former Tennessee running back Jay Graham. Nice. He played in the in the NFL. So my partner for the last three years, who was unbelievable, Don Mahoney, who was on Butch Jones's staff, actually had really good offensive lines during Butch Jones's tenure. He took an assistant coaching position here at a high school in the area. So we were looking and and Jay Graham, who left Alabama, he was in in coaching, but he wanted to kind of get away from the stresses of, of coaching on the college level, which is 365 days a year, as you know, yep. and come back to Knoxville. So he's, he's at a, a Concord Christian school who is restarting their football program. They don't have high school football yet on Fridays. And so he was available for this year. So he and I will team up and uh, anyone can listen to all those, all those games throughout the season uh, on our we we podcast commercial free all of our play-by-play at 991thesportsanimal.com if anyone wants to check that out it's really improving high school football in terms of d1 prospects fbs prospects uh even a lot in the fcs level this is a really good area for high school football it's not florida in terms of numbers we get that but uh there's some really good football and great coaches here Absolutely. Yeah, I remember Jay Graham. He had a couple of real good years for the Ravens and yeah, he had a good 
He had a couple. He had probably five or six year NFL career, if I recall. And yeah, yep. he was good, good, good little player. All right, let's get to it. Let's get right to it. Georgia wins a national title last year. They beat Alabama in the in the finals. You know, Alabama beats them in the in the SEC uh, championship game, and then Georgia avenges the loss in the in, in the in the final four. Let's start. Let's start with Georgia. You know, they go obviously they go fourteen and one last year. The eighth year wonder Stetson Bennett is back for another year in Athens. It seems like he's been there forever. Uh, give the guy credit. The guy was has always been kind of they've always been trying to find a replacement for him. And last year he played really well. He got his opportunity. He played well. He's back for another year. The defense last year only gives up 66 points in SEC play, which is amazing. Eight basically eight SEC games gives up 66 points. Just give me your quick thought on Georgia. The loaded again this year on defense. Offense is back intact. They lost, they lose a couple of skill guys, but a lot of offense back in Athens. Yeah, and look, they're going to be just fine. Stetson Bennett, we talked to him at media days, and he's got his chip on chip on his shoulder, and he knows that there's four and five star guys behind him. He still doesn't get the All SEC accolades because he doesn't have those prototypical measurables that the NFL wants. But um, look, he's a winner. He showed that last year and they still have a ton of really good running backs, really good offensive line. You know, their receivers, uh, they tight ends. They might have the best tight ends in the country. Absolutely. The, the, that group of tight ends with uh, Bowers and Bowers, Washington Kilbert, absolutely. So there's plenty there for them to be successful. A bunch of four and five star running backs, the next ones on and yeah. on. They're always really good. So they'll be really, they'll be uh, still very dynamic on offense. And then defensively, they still have one of the better defenders in the country in Jalen Carter, who right. might have been the number one pick had he come out, not right. his former teammate in Trevon Walker, and he might be next year. Nolan Smith. I mean, they've got some uh, Keely Ringo in the secondary. They still have a ton of talent. And the way they do it there is, is like they did at Alabama, where guys will play roles, lesser roles as those four and five star backups. And then when it's time to have their role elevated, they're ready to go. They have experience. They've been getting yeah. after the passer or playing different roles. So, and these are highly rated guys. They're just stacking four and five star guys that maybe aren't household names yet, but they will be. They won't be last year's defense, but they're still probably the best defense in the SEC, good enough to bring them back to Atlanta in that championship game. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and they got a great schedule, too. They avoid Alabama. They avoid Texas A&M. They avoid LSU. Yeah. I mean, Oregon's their maybe, you know, they, they got an out-of-conference game. They start the season again against Oregon in Atlanta, so it'll be a de facto home game. Right. Though they are, though the Oregon coach is the former DC Dan Lanning, yep. so that little yep. bit of that there, but they're definitely going to probably overwhelm Oregon, you know, with their athletes and all that in Atlanta. So they, to me, they've got a cruise control to the SEC title game in Atlanta. So we won't spend a lot of time on them because they've got a they've got a great schedule, not a lot of landmines. Your Volunteers go to go to Athens or no? They they host Georgia October 29th. You never know where Tennessee might be. That could be a game where they potentially could be a could be a little bit on an upset alert. Well, no, Tennessee is at Georgia. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, I read that wrong. I'm, I'm no, it's all right. And, yep. and 
Roman Harper from the SEC Network. We'll yep. get to Tennessee in a second, but he picked Tennessee to go ten and two and wow. beat Georgia. Wow. So now I don't think that he meant that Tennessee was going to win the East. I just think that's probably he's saying that's Georgia's one loss in the regular right. season, and then Tennessee has two. Therefore, even though yep. Tennessee won the head to head, Georgia would still win the East. And his thinking, I think, part of it is is that. Two things. One, Tennessee gave both Alabama and Georgia maybe their best test during the regular season. Right. right. And then all those games were into the second half close. And then Texas A&M, who you could maybe make a comparison last year's A&M to this year's Tennessee. They beat Alabama. Alabama was in the championship game. Why can't a team like that, Tennessee, be one of the the big dogs, no pun intended, in, in Georgia? So, I think more fans are kind of buying into that kind of stuff, but it's interesting. A road win even even is even harder to think about, yeah. but not everyone's looking at that as a surefire W for the Bulldogs. All right, let's go straight to where you're at, Knoxville. Heupel, uh, year two, seven and six last year. You know, they got a lot of – they found a quarterback in Hendon Hooker. That yeah. was their bugaboo defensively. They're still kind of a – Question mark there. They gave up. They had five games last year where they gave up forty plus points defensively. Give us the give us the breakdown of the of what you see in Tennessee. You you've been at every you cover all the practices, all the press conferences. What are you hearing? Yeah, I've been uh, every single one of them. Today was the first press conference that I wasn't at doing TV, but uh, but still, uh, Josh Heupel recapping the second scrimmage. That for all these colleges, the second scrimmages are really important because. Yeah guys that had a good first scrimmage, they need to show that it's not just an up and down, that they can, they're consistent. They can follow that up. A couple of wide receivers trying to establish themselves and replace Baylor's Jones Jr. was a high draft pick of the Chicago Bears, Javante Payton, who's on in the Cardinals camp, uh, and, and Cedric Tillman, the leading returning receiver in the Southeastern Conference, thousand yard receiver, over 60 catches. He's going to get more attention this year. So they are still trying to establish who the two through five is in the wide receiver group. Wide receivers haven't dropped as many passes as they did going into last year. Uh, Had a few in the last scrimmage. So it sounds like from according to Heupel that they had a better day today. Uh, Brew McCoy is a USC commit, a former five-star. He's had a good camp and he didn't participate in the first scrimmage, but he's out there still not technically eligible but he's got size, he's got skill, a lot of things that as the coaches have said you can't teach, they're going to give him the waiver to be eligible. I just think it's a matter of time. It might even be – it doesn't sound like it's an NCAA thing. It just sounds like USC may be taking their time to do their administrative stuff. But he's another guy that could be in the mix for that, you know, two, three, four spot. Jalen Hyatt, a junior, a lot of skill. Lost his confidence last year. is probably going to end up being their, their number two in terms of wide receiver. They have a left tackle position opening right now where two guys, Florida transfer Gerald Mincy and former Juco transfer Jeremiah J.J. Crawford. Those two guys are competing at left tackle. Last year's left tackle, Darnell Wright, has moved to right tackle where he's a little bit more comfortable. So that's a little unsettling, and there's really been no separation between the two, that's probably going to go into the season. Whoever plays better in games will will stick there or they'll keep platooning, which I don't think is the best way to go. But there's no separation. 
you, that's probably where they need to go. Uh, running back, they had lost one of their backup running backs in camp and uh, in Laneith Whitehead, who was supposed to be maybe their power short yardage back. So they brought in and signed Lynn J. Dixon. who was a former high, high recruit from Clemson who had gone to West Virginia for a cup of coffee in the spring. And then he left there. I don't know why he left there, but now he's here and in the running back room, a couple of talented freshmen in that group. Jabari Small is, uh, I think, is primed for an even better year this year. Uh, so they got a good group of running backs. And then, you know, let's go defense, defense. Let's go defense. Yeah, absolutely. That's really the key for this team. Hendon Hooker and that offense, they're going to put up big numbers. And it, the question is, is that can they avoid being what they were in the Music City Bowl in Nashville against Purdue, where they didn't have Elante Taylor, who was healing up for the NFL draft process. And they had, they had a whole bunch of busts in the secondary and really looked pretty bad. They can't be that if they expect to have a better year. I think they will be better for a couple of reasons. One is the pass rush. You have Byron Young, who missed the early part of last season. He was still maturing, trying to figure things out. Sounds like, looks like a different guy. He's probably going to be a double-digit sack guy. They desperately need more of a pass rush. Tyler Banner's got an NFL body. He's now at the strong side defensive end spot. He had finally was reached by his D-line coach and Rodney Garner. He looks great in camp too. And everyone's raving about how the kind of season he can have as well. And then Jeremy Banks, one of the leading returning tacklers at linebacker, he looks even better this year and everybody's praising him. He's got to get better in pass coverage. We'll see if that translates in the games. Um, and then they get Juwan Mitchell, a former Texas transfer. He missed most of last year. He's back. He might start with Banks, and that improves their linebacking core. The biggest question on defense, Jason, is the corners. They have two veteran safeties. Who, who are the corners and who's the star? So there's a lot of competition, a ton of bodies. They have 16 scholarship DBs. So they've got to get better on that side of the ball and at least be improved. I think with the pass rush, creating turnovers, I think that can help them and maybe masking the secondary a little bit so they develop guys. But I think this will be a little bit better defense, which means an eight or nine win type of season. Uh, they just can't be awful on defense. With that offense, they'll, they'll still be very good. Are they are they a four three? Are they a four feet four three blitzing team? Are they a more of a zone team? What do they like to do on defense? Well, they're ideally. A, you know, ideally, I, I honestly, they're more of a four two five. That's okay. what we see them more in. All right. And look, sometimes that fourth uh, D lineman is a stand up stack linebacker, linebacker rush right. slash rush edge. They call it a Leo, which is what Alabama and some of, of those teams do. Yeah. Uh, but, in, you know, in pass rush situation, they'll put four traditional uh, guys and some of those outside backers will put their hand down and they have four guys hand in the dirt coming after you. They also, Tim Banks blitzed a lot last year, but he had more of a veteran secondary, Theo Jackson and Alante Taylor, two draft picks. Yep. So he may not trust them to do that on the, to leave them out on the island as much on the back end. So that front four has got to be better at uh, creating pressure on their own so Banks doesn't have to blitz and expose his guys on the back end quite as much. That balance is going to be interesting to follow, but I think guy, enough guys have improved to where they can do that and help that defense. All right, let's head to Gainesville. One of the two coaching changes in the league, Billy Napier comes over from Louisiana. 
known as an expert recruiter, a, a protege under Nick Saban, was a position coach for Saban, did a great job at Louisiana. The Dan Mullen era kind of cratered there the last year or so. And just, you know, that just really culminated in a terrible ending last year with all the not spending a lot of time on recruiting and all those rumors that came out of there. Anthony Richardson, what do you think? You think he's legitimately, it's weird. He only started one game last year, you know, didn't play against Georgia of all teams. They threw him out there in Georgia. He's clearly the guy this year. To me, it's a, to me, this is the one, the transition year for Florida. You're going to see what Napier can do with Richardson recruiting wise depth. probably is going to be an issue in Florida because of the lack of recruiting by Mullen. Just your quick thoughts in Gainesville. Yeah, I I think uh, to me, Anthony Richardson, although I'm not 100% sure what we're going to see from him, he's actually not very high on my list of concerns for Florida. Uh, All the penalties that they had last year, I want to say 79 of their penalties were self-inflicted and they had like two false starts per game. Something on average, I mean, just a lot of that kind of stuff. So they got to clean up the penalties as a first year coaching staff. Are they able to fix some of those discipline things? They're not very deep. Right. Um, and, and then look, they didn't really uh, got 13 takeaways last year on defense. Right. So right. they weren't helping. The, typically Florida has as stout a defense as, as there is in the league. So, you know, the corner Jaden Hill hasn't practiced yet. They expected a lot from him. Um, ben, been a little bit banged up when they have it. They're not a really super deep team. Uh, if Anthony Richardson is an absolute Superman game changer, he can probably mask some things for them on offense. Sure. sure. But gosh, th- there's just, I worry about other guys around him, letting him down and not being good enough. And then just having to flush out some issues that you had before. Uh, they're a really hard team yeah. To to pinpoint, I have them behind Tennessee and Kentucky in the East. Yeah, they 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 have, a, they have a big game to start out in Gainesville. Utah comes to town week one. You know that's a kind of game you could you could potentially see a potential upset maybe because of the heat, because of first game excitement and all that. But you know if they don't win that game and then they got they go next week the week after K- Kentucky comes to town they got Tennessee in week 4 in Knoxville that's a game again you you'll know that's a huge game in that rivalry but yeah I, I definitely see a 7 and 5 at best kind of year out of Florida yeah don't forget my alma mater USF bull yes. baby the yes. week before the Tennessee Volunteers that's right uh, that's yeah right. and look that that Florida game for Tennessee that game is the difference right now the way I'm looking at it between an eight-win season for Tennessee and a nine-win season? Yep. And also, to me, the pit game is a critical one for Tennessee as well. Get revenge for last year on the road. I think you would would prove a lot of things to a lot of people if you go to pit and win that game in week two. Absolutely. And look, there's plenty of people that are assuming that Tennessee win because they lost Jordan Addison. They lost Kenny Pickett. Yeah, they still have Baldonado, who's a potential first-round draft pick, a defensive end. Couple sacks against Tennessee. It's not an easy place to play. Narduzzi always has him play in D. So uh, that that's a little trickier than on paper. I think the way Tennessee fans right. look at it. But Florida, even 
much worse teams than this Florida team have beaten Tennessee teams that were better than Florida that year overall. And Florida still found a way to win. So that's one of those, hey, you might need to show me before I can go there because we've seen guys that aren't even quarterbacks play quarterback or not very good ones and lead Florida to some ugly win over Tennessee. This is a little different Tennessee team. I get it. But uh, that that's one that's going to be maybe the difference between eight and nine wins. Even if, if you're Tennessee, Tennessee you got if you're going to make the jump at Tennessee, you got to win that game at home. Yes. That's a game you got to win if you're going to elevate the program from the seven and five, eight and four to a nine or ten win. That's the game for absolutely you have to win that game. Yeah, because after that, then you get a bye week at LSU and then Alabama, <laughs> then Kentucky and Georgia two two or three weeks after that. So right. The middle of that schedule gets rough. All right, let's go to South Carolina. Shane Beamer, year two, the huge recruit transfer. You got Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma in there. First time they've had a really good quarterback, theoretically. I know Rattler struggled a little bit and got beat out, but the name and the recruit-wise, that's a big name to get at South Carolina quarterback. Defense was pretty good last year at South Carolina. They somehow won seven games with the, with the disastrous quarterback play they had. Do you think Rattler can be that much of a difference maker for South Carolina? I do, and not – I don't think they're contending in the East. I don't think they're quite Tennessee or Kentucky, but I have them ahead of Florida. Yep. And and so I think they're going to be a problem. Shane Beamer has found a way to reach those kids. I mean, they love playing for him. Yep. Got a pretty good staff there. They're underrated defensively. Uh, They get some guys back from injury. They were banged up last year. Uh, They got a pretty nice group of running backs. Austin Stogner, another transfer from Oklahoma, doesn't get talked about enough. That guy is a beast and probably a future NFL tight end. So it's more than just uh, Spencer Rattler. And I think he's going to be better there. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, what he peaked at Oklahoma, yeah, but man, considering they had four quarterbacks and it was such a carousel there last year, it'll be definitely an upgrade. And I, I think the South Carolina team is going to have some moments this year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like the direction they're going with Beamer. And they got three of their big, big games at home. Georgia in week three, A&M comes to town and Tennessee, you, your guys come to town late in the year. So. If th- that crowd, that, that place is a raucous crowd, they'll get into it if they're playing well. That'll be that. Those will be three tough games for those three teams to go in there and get a win. Underrated crowd when they're yeah. playing Sandstorm and, you know, you got the rooster and they're playing Ric Flair, woo, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. It's a good atmosphere. No doubt. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll do a quick Vandy, Missouri. Vandy, obviously not a lot of expectations there. You know, they are what they are. Um, they try hard. The recruiting's been better with Clark Lee, but you know Vandy's going to struggle if they win two, two to three games at best. It'll be a, it'll be a good year. Um, quick thought on Vanderbilt. Yeah, it's got to come in non-conference. I mean, right. but even even last year they had a lot. They just inexplicable loss to ETSU. Right. So you can't even take those games for granted. They have Northern Illinois uh, on the road somehow. They're going to Northern Illinois <laughs> and then Elon, and then they have the extra game against Hawaii, Wake right. Forest, who may not have Sam Hartman. But, you know, look, I, I don't think they win an SEC game, to be honest with you. 
Uh, if they're going to win a game or two, it's going to be in, in non-conference. Missouri will be a little bit better, but they won't be Vanderbilt. They'll get some of their non-conference uh, right. games that they've got, but I don't expect a ton from them in SEC play. They'll they'll be between the Florida South Carolina group yep. and Vandy somewhere in between there. I got you. All right, let's head to Kentucky to wrap up the East. Stoops has gotten into a little uh, little hissy fit with John Calipari <laughs> in the last few days about all you know basketball school, not a basketball school, all that. Okay. Say what you want about Mark Stoops. That guy gets the most out of most of his players most years. If their team's capable of winning seven or eight, he usually wins what they're capable of winning. And he is a he's gotten recruiting's gotten better. The facilities have gotten better there. You know, they've got a good players. They lost some linemen to the NFL. He's putting out NFL players. Stoops does a good job. He's been there a while, built in a culture. Your thoughts in Lexington? Yeah, you're 100% right. And look, they have an NFL quarterback in Will Levis. Yes. And he, Will Levis did something really smart, Jason. I don't know if you heard heard about this or not, but I talked to a scout that said that Will Levis threw at Kentucky's pro day. Oh. And, you know, they had Robinson, the Rwanda Robinson, the receiver there. And that was a rule that they changed to where current quarterbacks could throw to receivers. Smart for everybody, right? Robinson gets a quarterback who he's familiar with, that's chemistry with throwing to him, so he looks good. And then he gets to throw in front of NFL scouts. And he made a big impression with them there. I don't know how many other starters did that. Right, but man, that that is a really smart move, and and they knew about him before, but that validated him for the NFL. You'll find him on some first round mocks. I think yep. a lot of people are hesitant to go there because he didn't put up big numbers, but he's a guy with his size and running ability and arm strength that they're expecting more of this year. They got another transfer receiver, so they'll be good at the line of scrimmage. They'll be great against some of their weaker competition on defense and then give up a bunch of points in some of their tougher games, Tennessee and, and some others. But Stoops gets the most out of that out of that team. I was a little bit surprised that the media picked Kentucky ahead of Tennessee in the East. It was very close. But Kentucky's in top 25 rankings in, in most of them, and Tennessee is not. Yep. Tennessee's just on the outside looking in. So I think Mark Stoops has, has proven himself and people buy in. And, and the, the whole thing with Calipari, to me, I, I, I don't think that impacts them much during the year. It's interesting, yeah. but I don't think it impacts them too yeah. much. They'll be right there with, with Tennessee is, uh, as the, the two and the three in the East. Ten and three last year in Kentucky. I mean, no, ten, if ten years ago we'd have, we'd have thought Kentucky would be a legit football school, we, we'd have been crazy as, bad as, as well as he's done there. Jason, let me say this. I don't care how many games Kentucky wins. Tennessee fans, can it can, does not register to them that they will lose to Kentucky. <laughs> There's the history there. So, I mean, that's part of it. I get it. But they can't. It's the name of the school versus yep. the name of the school. Yep. I don't care what Kentucky brings to the table. Tennessee should not lose to Kentucky in the minds. Of Tennessee fan, I have uh, I have Tennessee winning that game too. It is in Knoxville, but it, it's it's so crazy. They, Tennessee fans haven't been influenced by their recent success. All right, listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. We're on with Vince Ferrar, ninety nine point one Knoxville. 
giving you a full SEC preview. Let's head to the West. Outlet. Again, we don't want to spend a lot of time in Alabama. We know they're loaded. Yeah. Lost in the national title game last year to Georgia. You got uh, Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young. You got a lot of people think the best player in the country in Will Anderson. Yeah. The defense is supposed to be loaded this year. Kind of vintage Alabama defense. Two question marks. They got a good transfer kid from Georgia Tech to play running back, who they think he's pretty dynamic. And then the offensive line. If the offensive line can get back into, into form, and they got to find a couple of receivers. They lost another batch of receivers to the NFL. They got the kid Burton from Georgia transferred in. Yeah. Um, so just what any concerns with Alabama? No. I mean, the, you mentioned the offensive line. They really were never – on the offensive line last year not as good as some other Alabama teams have been so that's still a question mark I mean I watched their spring game and there are still plenty of, of of unknowns at that point on that offensive line so but typically they're so good in so many other areas they can make up for it and then later in the year they kind of get things going and figure it out so they go uh, that's yep they yeah. go to Texas in week two the Sark Bowl, they get the reunion with Sark with Sark and Austin, should win that game. But, again, with Sark knowing that program so well, wouldn't be surprised if that game's closer than people think. And then yeah. the middle of the year, October of 1, 8, and 15, go yeah. to Arkansas, host AM, and then go to Knoxville. That's their little three-game gauntlet. If Alabama's going to stumble, that's probably where it's going to happen. Yeah, let me tell you this. I'll say it right now. I don't know what the spread is going to be in that game with AM. In Tuscaloosa, Alabama's going to put a beat down on the Aggies. I mean, after what happened last year, they always revenge people that yeah. do that. Arkansas will should be a challenge on paper. It is on the road. But, yep. man, Arkansas's had a tough time matching up with Alabama in the right. past. It's kind of a, a reality check game. I think Tennessee, even though Alabama has the streak, in I think Tennessee is going to be there most challenging game because of the way they play offense. I agree. I agree. All right, let's head to Auburn. All right, uh, Harson, all the coaching issues over the offseason. Yeah. Calzada comes in as the quarterback from Texas A&M. They start off with five straight home games. Is this a year they can win seven or eight games, or do you still see them kind of a six-and-six six building program? No, no I, I actually, actually picked, picked them last in the West. Okay. So um, I, don't I don't remember what the, the, the media media when I picked, picked them six, six yeah. maybe, maybe seven. seven. But, but uh, TJ Finley just, just got arrested. It's a big NIL deal. deal and he gets arrested. Yep. Um, I, I don't I think, think he was going to win that job anyway as a starting quarterback. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's I think it's going to be uh, Calzada. Just to me, they're not good enough for the offensive line. Great running back and tank Bigsby. Just some holes that are not deep enough, and I, I don't think the Brian Harson era is going to go beyond this year. I just think okay. it's, a, it's a different setup than, than what he's used to. All right, let's head to the Magnolia State, hit the, the two Mississippi schools, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Ole Miss, Kiffin had a great year last year They with Corral's gone on to the NFL. You got Ole Miss at 10-3. and three. They lose both coordinators. The defense has been atrocious for years, but they do bring in Jackson Dart from USC who will probably win that job. They yeah. lose 20 starters. Seems like a rebuilding year, even though Lane will probably outscore a couple of teams that he probably shouldn't beat will be in the game scoring-wise. But And then Mississippi State, Leach, you never know what you're going to get out of Leach. Leach is such a wild card as a coach. Usually they have good <laughs> interior and defensive and offensive lines. 
You know, they got a third-year quarterback coming back in Will Rogers. What do you see out of Ole Miss and Mississippi State? Yeah, I think Ole Miss is going to be dynamic. Jonathan Domingo is one of the better receivers in the league. They also landed Jalen Robinson, who was UCF, a great wide receiver from UCF that Tennessee really wanted. You pick Ole Miss over Tennessee. Uh, they got all kinds of weapons. They'll be able to run the ball. Zach Evans is another former Tennessee commit. Um, the can't transfers over from TCU. They really worked the transfer portal. Uh, Lane Kiffin, so they're filling holes. The question is, is any of those guys make an impact on defense? That's what they really need right. the, the most. And like Tennessee, they just can't be awful. They just have to be at least a little bit more respectful. And they were for some parts of last year. Yep. Uh, I think Ole Miss is going to be good, top 25 type of team. Okay. A zillion and three points. Mississippi State probably outperformed my expectations last year. Still a great quarterback. And Will Rogers put up amazing points. And you know, they're not going to have the name value. They probably have the most inauspicious trio that SEC football media is in terms of name guys that were there. But, you know, he got a lot, he's got a lot out of them last year. So they'll, they'll win some games. Uh, I think they're middle of the pack, maybe yeah. a little bit on the bottom half of the SEC West. Yeah, they got a rough middle of the schedule. Texas A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Alabama, four in a row. They're in like week five through eight. So, tough go. And they got Georgia at the end of the year. So, uh, again, seven and five kind of year for, for Mississippi State would be a good year. Right. Let's head to Arkansas. Sam Pittman, K.J. Jefferson. I, I was at the Outback Bowl last year when, when, when Pittman and Jefferson played really well. They mm-hmm. led the league in rushing last year. That's, that's kind of their, their calling card. Big guys. Pittman's an offensive line coach is in his prior coaching days. KJ Jefferson has got to improve the passing game. Burks onto the NFL. The big time receiver was a first round draft pick for, for your Tennessee Titans there in Nashville. Can can Arkansas repeat the up and coming program? They had a lot of super seniors last year as well. A lot of those fifth and sixth year kids stayed. So what do you see out of Arkansas? I think, I think Arkansas, Arkansas is going to be really good again. And I think they're, they're going to be a problem. They they have a, a lot of really good qualities. They're good at the line of scrimmage, and they've got a top tier quarterback. Yeah, he's not perfect. He has things he needs to improve on, but man, he still had plenty of games where he was slinging it from the pocket and wasn't relying on running the ball, even though he's a, a hoss when he does run it. Um, and right there with Hendon Hooker as the second or third best quarterback in this league. Yep. Uh, they'll be able to run the ball again this year. Raheem Sanders and uh, Dominic Johnson, who hasn't uh, participated in camp. He's been dinged up. So they don't know if he's going to be back for week one, but they'll be able to run the ball. You get the running game from the quarterback there as well. Uh, I, I think they still have some good defenders on that team, um, including Bumper Pool, great name. Uh, yep. Yep. It was at Media Days. So – yeah, they had some losses, but I still think they're going to be very good. They're not challenging the West good, but I think they're right there with LSU and Texas A&M for yeah. second, third, fourth. Uh, so, yeah, I think Pittman, again, gets the most out of his, as much as anybody out of the roster he has. All right, let's go to Texas A&M. Jimbo, October 8th going to Alabama with all the offseason stuff with he and Saban. Quarterback questions. You got Max Johnson transferring from LSU to AM, son of Brad Johnson. Shout out to my boy Brad. Um, 
competing? Is he going to win the job? Is it going to be the other, the, the incoming freshman, the freshman from last year? So the quarterback mix is going to be interesting. They lost a lot of skill guys, running back, tight end, receivers. We keep waiting for AM to make the big jump. Is this the year? I don't, I don't think, think so. I think they'll, they'll be very good, Jason, but I don't think they're a college football playoff or I don't either. top six in the country type of team. Yep. I think that's a little lofty for them. And you know, yes, they beat Alabama last year, but I, I, like I mentioned before, I think that gets evened out this year. And yeah. although they have some talented guys competing at that quarterback spot, Haynes King, another guy, the Tennessee wanted Max Johnson, Connor Wegman, their highest rated, like you mentioned, at quarterback. Uh, you know, I would probably Haynes King, but still, they're they can. You know, Haynes is a, a good running back. Um, you know, they've had some kind of some disturbing things. They had a receiver arrested just before yeah. Yeah. media days. They had a, a another. Uh, they had a change in guys, coaches switching positions during camp, um, in what they coached. Yeah, I, that's those kind of things are a little are a little concerning for me. They were great defensively last year, especially stopping the run. So they, they got some of those guys back, but I I think the expectations are too. Uh, high for the same team, but they'll still be a, a very good team, probably in that you know nine-ish, maybe even ten-win range. All right, here we, we're on to LSU, the second of the new coaches in the league, the big hire of the offseason, in my opinion, around the country. Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame for the new challenge of the new SEC, heading to Baton Rouge. He's working on that Cajun accent, working on all the. <laughs> Although, as Vince is laughing, uh, you know, tries to come in with the accent. Very good football coach. Say what you want about Brian Kelly. He did a great job at Notre Dame. LSU's got athletes. They kind of got through a circus last year with the whole Ed Orgeron uh, era ending. That turned into a kind of a wild, wild west circus down there in Baton Rouge. I think you're going to get a professional coach in Brian Kelly. Uh, Vince, for you, quarterback again quarterback questions they got miles brendan's back for it seems like he's been there 100 years they bring in Jaden daniels from uh, arizona state kind of more of a runner than a thrower how do you think kelly's going to fit in to the culture of the sec and just establishing those recruiting ties and all that in the state of louisiana in the south he's a really good coach so i think he's going to get more out of that team than last year with that ogeron you know, it's probably going to take him some more time to have a championship caliber right. team, right? Because he's going to need to recruit guys of his, uh, that fit his scheme, fit his caliber of expectations. It's funny at Notre Dame, people were talking about how the standards were too strict, too high for them to get the athletes they needed to compete. Now he's saying they need to raise the standards <laughs> to, to get it at LSU because he wants a different character of, of guy in there. But I think he'll get more out of that group. It's There's going to be some messy times, but he's a terrific coach, and right. he's so different. I think that's a pretty good thing there at LSU. They won't be patient with him because that's what they do there with that fan base. But you mentioned it. They have athletes. And I think their quarterback competition, unlike some of the others where you're like, eh, you know, more than one quarterback, but do you have a quarterback? I think they could probably win with either one of those two guys. Right. Brendan, right. when he has played, 
you look at his numbers, they Pretty are good. impressive. Absolutely. He's just been hurt a lot. And then Jaden Daniels was dynamic at Arizona State. And I and Brian Kelly, he adjusts to his personnel. Yeah. So he's he's gonna put if it's Daniels, he's gonna put him in a position to succeed. Look, their their offensive line still some question marks there. Um, and they're not very deep. But I, I think they're they're going to look really good at times, and other times they're going to be like, this will take a while. Uh, but I, I think they're right there with AM and Arkansas as second in, in competing for second in the West. And I know they have Florida State early in the year, but yep. I, I still would favor LSU in that game. And I, don't, I don't think Mike Norvell has Florida State where they're what you right. think, what you might have thought they were when that was scheduled you know, 38 years ago, whenever they uh, do the, the schedules way in advance. If, if they get through Florida State, they got a very good chance to be 5-0 and as your volunteers come to Baton Rouge. Yeah. Yeah, that, absolutely. That could be a huge game, October and, 8th. Yeah, and look, the way I see it, again, that's another game that I think fans are like, oh, LSU wasn't very good. It's going to take Brian Kelly a while. I think that's almost dismissed a little bit. Yeah. Not as much as Kentucky, but it is. But out of all the swing games, and I think Tennessee has five of them. Yep. We talked about Pitt, Florida, LSU, Kentucky, South Carolina. Those are the five swing games. Yep. With two losses on paper and then and then uh, five sure wins. The if they're they're going to win some of those swing games. Yep. But LSU to me out of those swing games is the toughest of those five just the atmosphere being on the road. It's something that they won't, won't have dealt with. It won't be like Pitt. So uh, that's one of the games out of the swing games that I have as an L for Tennessee right now. It's a 50, 50 game. They can win it, but that one's going to be challenging. And you're right. They, what if they're five and oh, and then they beat Tennessee who I think right. will have a decent chance to be r- ranked at that time. Boy, you talk about hype and expectations now, Brian Kelly. It might be the worst thing for him. If he's a really yeah, especially good start. in year one. Especially yeah. in year one. The expectations are going to be so out of whack because reality will hit him after that that it'll make it tougher for him. But um, if, if they one, beat Tennant, if they beat Tennessee, they could conceivably be seven and zero when Alabama comes to town November the fifth. They got Florida after Tennessee in Gainesville, not an easy game, but a winnable game. And then they got Ole Miss and Baton Rouge. If they can get through Florida State and Tennessee easily, I don't say easily, but very conceivably, they could be 8-0 heading with Alabama coming to town. Yeah, and Ole Miss is going to be tricky, even though yep. it's at home yep. before yep. that. But, yeah, uh, and boy, and, and anytime Alabama and LSU are both really good. CBS gonna... loves it. CBS loves that. Yeah. No, that's again. I think I think this could be one of the again. LSU was not was was terrible last year, not because of good players, because of the whole coaching and all that stuff going on, all that mess with Orgeron. They got players down there. I mean, say what you want. I mean, they may not have an All American quarterback, but right now, but they got athletes. They got linemen. They always have linemen, and they always have skill players. Don't don't discount the quarterback though for any of these jobs. Look at the way the trajectory of last season for Tennessee changed, and honestly, the path of their future. Yeah. He, Hendon Hooker taking over when Joe Milton got hurt in the pit game, and yeah. really it was Joe Milton getting hurt because the coaching staff had picked Joe Milton. Right. He got hurt. Hendon Hooker came in, 
played great, never relinquished it. So if you can find a really good quarterback, that can be a program changer for you. And I kind of favor Jane Daniels a touch. I don't know who's going to win that job. Maybe they have to go into the season and figure it out. But if you can find one, then that quarterback can mask some of your deficiencies you might have. So that could really change the type of team that LSU or anybody else in a quarterback battle, or maybe they change during the year. Right. That that's a such an important position. And what Kelly's done a great job when he was in the ring. He always morphed his offense to put what his quarterback could or couldn't do. Ian Book, yeah, plenty yes. of yeah. He's had running guys. He's had more throwing guys. So he's good at morphing. Again, he's a great to me. He's a very professional coach. He yep. he knows what he, he figures out what his guys can do and can't do and works around that where some other coaches don't do that. And, and they needed that there at LSU because they're. It was too much of the, we got to find an LSU guy. You know, Tennessee has gone through that, whether it's ADs or coaches. We need a Tennessee guy. Right. You need the best guy. Yeah. And then you, then you welcome all of the Tennessee people back in to help you, help support you and all that. It doesn't have to be a Tennessee guy or an LSU guy running the thing, running the show. You need that CEO of the program. He'll be awkward. He'll probably be rude back to, yeah. to people at times and short and all that. But he, he's a, a high level coach, and I think right exactly what else you need. And if I believe, if I believe I'm right here, you got a ten year contract, so he ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Correct? Yeah, I mean the yeah the, the way some of those guys get paid, uh, unless they you know it's it would be so unless hard to kill somebody in the middle of Bourbon Street. Right. Yeah, he'd have to really screw that up to, yeah. to not stay. All right, a couple more things. We'll get you out of here. Okay. Give me a couple sleeper teams. Again, teams that aren't going to win the division because I think we both think Georgia, Alabama are the cream of the crop in, the, in both divisions. Give me a team or two, one for maybe each side that you think could challenge for second or really be a pain in the neck for people throughout the year. Well, I, I have to start with Tennessee. I, I think Tennessee has a, a chance to be right behind Georgia and be that number two team. I would, uh, they're, they're still a ways away from catching Georgia. Uh, I don't think Georgia's coming back to the back very much. They're right. just so loaded. You, I, I've done deep dives in star rate ratings of, of rosters and two deeps, and it's just ridiculous how much talent. They're right there with Alabama. And there's a big gap with everybody else. LSU might actually, in a lot of years, is third. Right. So I think Tennessee uh, is – I think they'll finish second in the East. So yep. they're a team that is a challenger and maybe competing for third best in the league. Another one is South Carolina. I don't know that with South you. Carolina gets to two, but I think they're going to give people some problems. Shane Beamer has got it going on there, and he's getting a lot out of that roster. So they would be one that I think can rise up. And in the West, we talked about LSU. I think yeah. people are sleeping on them a little bit in the, the Brian Kelly impact on them. And, and then the other one that I still have confidence in competing for maybe number two in the West is Arkansas because yeah. they have the line of scrimmage, they have the quarterback and they have coaching. And, and even if you're not, you're not elite in terms of, of high, highly rated talent in some other positions. Those are some real nice fundamentals to, to start with. So 
Uh, those would be a few on each side of, uh, of the, the conference. I'm with you on South Carolina. If Rattler can be good, he doesn't have to be elite. If right. he can be good and just don't turn the ball over and complete the passes they can, they're supposed to complete, I think South Carolina could be a, could be a problem for some people. And I'm with you on LSU. I really think, like you said, if Miles Brennan, one of those quarterbacks, emerges, they've got enough players with the way Kelly coaches and the staff he can put together, he, he's going to be a threat too. Give me a um, – Give me a player of the year in the SEC. Who do you think is going to be player of the year? Ooh, uh, that's that's a, a great question. I would probably say, even though I wouldn't pick him to win the Heisman because I don't think he'll win it back-to-back, um, I'll say Bryce Young. He's yep. still going to put up just crazy numbers. Um, you know, Maybe a sleeper, Jameer Gibbs, the, the running back to transfer yep. from Georgia Tech. They'll put up great numbers there also. So uh, there, there's other individual players sending hookers, Zach yep. Evans at Ole Miss. There's a number of other guys. I mean, if it's Anthony Richardson, then we're looking at Florida completely different. Um, but I, I, I still think it's probably going to come from the best team and that's Alabama. You think Will Anderson's going to make it to the Heisman Trophy finalist list? Probably so. He deserves to be. A, a guy is unblockable. He talked about guys that would have been the first Overall yeah. pick last year yeah. would have been him, and he may be this year. It's ridiculous. It, if they're not enough offensive choices, he will be there and will deserve to be there. Could very well be where the public thinks he's the best uh, player in the country or maybe some of the media, but not the media that votes. And so because some of them just do, take the easy way out and just do quarterback. And um, so he'll deserve it, but I don't know if he'll necessarily be there. And who give me give me the coach or two who you think's on the hottest seat? Uh, hottest Harson seat. Harson at Auburn. Yes. Harson? Yeah, Brian Harson for sure. Because what happened in the offseason, I don't th- think they're going to be very good. So it, it's him. Everybody else is fairly new. Right. Um, I, I guess if if Missouri bottoms out under Eli right. Drinkwitz, it might start to get a little bit warm there. You know, Jimbo, if they're way below expectations, right. Right. I would be surprised at that. But everybody else is so new that even if they have a down year, n- nobody's about to lose their job. Florida fans will lose their mind if Florida isn't very good, if they're sub 500 again but he ain't, he ain't going nowhere no no so really it's brian harson and it's a, a, a runaway for him so when we get to atlanta we think george alabama who, who who emerges yeah i'll say alabama because when they don't when they don't win the national championship they usually follow it up um I, you know i'm even considering maybe an ohio state for the national champion But Alabama's track record when they don't win it and they're so stacked year after year, um, it it would probably be them. I think they'll edge out Georgia this year, and and I would say Alabama. Do you think think Georgia makes the playoff even if they lose to Alabama with one loss, or if they lose two games, are they out? Uh, no, I think either scenario they could they could get in. I think if they lose a game in the regular season, it's probably not going to be either by much or to someone that's not very good. And maybe it's like you know Alabama last year. Even if they were to lose a second game in the conference championship game, 
I think they'll be so well thought of as last year's defending national champion. Right. They'll, they'll, they'll be viewed in such high regard. I would still uh, think they get the edge over any number of one loss teams out there. I'm going to ask you one more question, get you done. Sure. Of, the, of Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, the top, whoever your top four teams are, th- those three, and, and then throw in one more. What's the one team that can ill afford to lose the quarterback? That's a really good question. Could ill afford to lose the quarterback. Right, you got Bryce Young, you got Stetson, ben, uh, Stetson Bennett, Hooker at Tennessee, K.J. Jefferson potentially at Arkansas. Which one of those four guys is probably the is probably a death nail if they were to lose lose their starting quarterback? Because say what we want, Alabama doesn't have a lot of death behind Bryce Young. I don't. I mean, I've not seen that. Um, what do you think? Well, I, I watched both of those guys for Alabama in their spring game, and and their two and their three both look good. Another guy that Tennessee really <laughs> wanted, an in-state kid, and in, in, in Ty Simpson, a five-star, um, but and and Milrow their backup quarterback, but he hasn't played. Neither one of those two guys have played. Right. But they also are really loaded. <laughs> so, um, I man, I would think they would they would take a step back, but because they're so loaded in so many areas, you mentioned kind of death nail. I, I wouldn't think it would be a death nail. Okay. Um, Tennessee is interesting because Hendon Hooker, We've actually talked about this locally. What if if it's Joe Milton and not Hendon Hooker? How much does that impact them? I think Joe Milton, if he has to play this year, will be better than we saw a year ago. Okay. He's more relaxed. He's BFFs with Hendon Hooker. They compete. Uh, he's looked really good. I He still is not Hendon Hooker in his decision-making, his running, his deep ball, things like that. But I think still think that offense, they would put up big numbers. It's all about the defense to me. Even if they lost an extra game or two, wouldn't be a death nail. Uh, Georgia, I think any of those talented five stars, again, with all that talent, could still win them games. Maybe they lose a game with an experience if they have to go that way. Wouldn't be a death nail. I would probably say Arkansas because now you have the biggest drop off from your starter to your backup. And it's not like you have all these other things you know you can rely on. Right. To, because that's one of the key ingredients for them right now is the quarterback play. I would say Arkansas would be done if it's not K.J. Jefferson more than the others who would take a step back but have enough other things going to where their season wouldn't be over. All right, Vince Perrard, 99.1 The Sports Animal. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media. You're doing a ton of stuff. You're on TV up there. You're a TV <laughs> star. You're doing high school. You do MMA. You, <laughs> me and you had lunch together a, a couple of weeks ago in Tampa. Yep. Had some chicken. Had some. You had some chicken and waffles and all That's that. Right. <laughs> Tell me where they can find you online. Great memory on the breakfast. It was yes. good to see you and, and our guy TJ Reeves. But um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Vince Sports. Our station on Twitter, Sports Animal 991. So much content every day. I think you got to give Tennessee props on this, University of Tennessee. Yeah, we don't get to see a ton of practice. We get a couple of viewing periods. First practice, they let us stay through eight periods, but we couldn't shoot more than the first two. But that was cool to see some, some, one, some team stuff a little bit, just a little taste before the pads came on. Uh, but they've given us interviews. We're going through their entire coaching staff. Nice. They're making everybody available. 
That's Not good. every team is doing that. Plus, we get three, four players a day uh, whenever they do interviews. So we've had so many interviews. All that on our website. You can see it above me on the screen. 991theesportsanimal.com. Ton of that content. Got some blogs coming out where I'll preview Tennessee season, SEC predictions on the blog on the website. Uh, you mentioned high school football. Former Tennessee and NFL running back Jay Graham will be my color analyst for our high school games which you can hear on our station and in streaming as well, the podcast on our website. And then um, you know, Tennessee football will start with that Thursday night game on, on uh, September 3rd against Ball State. So I mean, it's just around the corner um, and you know, just it's loaded right now. NFL, so into that, following the former Tennessee players that are in the National Football League. So blog about that. Uh, just uh, a lot going on, but it's, it's fun. We got football on our TV right now and college is coming. So uh, blessed and uh, excited about that. And, and always great to be on with you, Jason. Is everybody hyped up about Malik Willis in Nashville? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, they don't, they don't expect him to be the guy right now, but man, to get him where they did in the yeah. middle rounds is, in terms of value. I don't know that he wowed anyone the other night, but uh, solid and, uh, pretty nice guy to have as your future where you don't have to throw him in there right now. I think they're still a little bit more worried about, uh, you know, Tannehill, if, if yep. those turnovers are going to creep back up and then obviously replacing AJ Brown, who's now in Philly. Well, I'll give you a, one more thing and you're out of here. Yep. I'll be at your alma mater tomorrow. I'm going to be refereeing practice tomorrow at USF. So okay. I'll give you an update of what Please Jeff do. Scott and the Bulls look like in year three. Man, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little antsy in the Jeff Scott era. So hopefully you can get them going a little bit. We can get get some bowl games and get back to winning a little bit. You got it. You got it. Thanks for the time, Vince. Great job. Have a great year on the call covering Tennessee. All th again, Vince does play-by-play -play baseball in the baseball season, does stuff with the basketball team. So he's all dialed into Knoxville and UT sports. And so if you're in that area, definitely check out 991 catch him online he does a great job putting up video content every day about all things tennessee so thanks for the time vince and have a great year my man yeah appreciate it vol network do those pregame football player interviews and have a little role on the pregame so if you got vol network on sirius xm bouncing around those games you might hear me on there as well but uh anytime you need me jason always fun chatting with you brother you got it buddy have a great week and have a great year see you buddy see, you, buddy. see ya thanks again for listening to the powers on sports podcast Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.